Hi, everybody. I'm George, and this is the best little horror house in Philly, the show where we talk about the best horror movie ever made, according to our guests, at least. And that's actually not what we're doing today, because it's a special <laughs> occasion, because today we're celebrating the final week of Plutember, baby. Plutember. It's been a hell of a month, guys. Oh, my God. What a whirlwind. What a Plutember. That's right. It's a very special episode, because that means that it is an opportunity for me to choose the movie. So please welcome the people that I threw into the deep end with this one, Riggs <laughs> and JP, the hosts of the podcast we heard about, Pluto. Welcome, boys. Hello. Good to be back. Good to be back. Very good to be back. It's This is a fun, this is a fun one. I'm really excited. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very excited. Definitely, definitely. And we... We've already gotten into your past with horror on your mm-hmm. individual episodes, which if people have not listened to, they should certainly go back and check out the two preceding episodes of this very show. And this is a long movie. So I'm going to jump forward a little bit and we're we're just going to start talking about the movie right away, which is Suspiria, the Suspiria remake from 2018 directed by uh, Luca Guadagnino. And I'm curious to hear what you guys knew about it going into this, your expectations, that kind of thing, because it's not typical that I get to be the one to pick the movie. And neither one of you had seen it, right? That's correct. That's correct. I've never even heard about it before wow. you had uh, mentioned it. So it was yeah, it was very exciting to, yeah, I, I had no idea what to expect going in. So just, it was, man, it was a thrill ride. It was great. <laughs> Now, I I'm I'm aware. I, I mean, I was fully aware of it, but I actually had kind of stayed away because so many people just because it's a remake. The the initial comments from everyone are just, well, it's not as good as the original, and that it's not helpful. But I didn't hear anybody <laughs> say anything else, and so I kind there was of had no George the back burner. Yeah. No. Huh? <laughs> well, sometimes um, you just got to wait for your friend to force you to watch something. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And uh, like we've both now mentioned, this is a remake, uh, an update of the 1977 classic from Dario Argento and his frequent collaborator, Daria Nicolodi, which is also a great movie. A prime example of that era, warts and all. It's got vibrant colors, a dreamlike atmosphere, weird dubbing, loose plot, the works. It is technically not a giallo, <laughs> although it frequently gets called one because of a loosening definition that is essentially just Italian pulp. Thanks to the literal definition, that means yellow, but its supernatural elements make some dorks that are fighting a losing battle get mad, if you call it that. So it is technically not <laughs> a giallo. JP, do you uh, have any familiarity with the original at all? You said that people you knew had seen it and compared it to the new one. I hadn't actually seen it. And mm-hmm. so uh, it's it's I'm familiar with Argento's work. I've seen some of his other stuff. And this, I had seen snippets of it a long time ago. I had seen, I mean, it's one of those movies that like, I wasn't sitting down watching it. Uh, my, my, my girlfriend at the time was, and I was like in and out of the room doing something else. Right. And I'd sit down and it was just like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> but like in a really cool way, the original is so compelling. And just like the use of like bright colors against a black backdrop was mm. just so intense yeah um and i'm just it's been talked about for i mean it's 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 really celebrated the original um you know for 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 in a lot of ways it's weirdness mm-hmm. and so i kind of with that in mind and and having seen the previews for this i was really excited to <laughs> see this definitely this was actually originally just going to be produced by luca with david gordon green set to direct 
And it's kind of strange to contemplate after, you know, he just directed Halloween. He's set to direct the Exorcist remake for 2023. He's also directing the Hellraiser TV show that was recently announced. This dude is just out here collecting reboots. Damn. Yeah. It's everywhere. Yeah, I hope I hope he does as good a job with those things. Yeah, well, this was the one that got away. So and and that fell through. And so Guadagnino stepped in with a script from David Kajianic, who I probably just fucked that Nailed name up it. real bad. <laughs> but uh, he is self-admittedly not a fan of the original, which I thought was very interesting and really worked for Luca because he wanted to do an homage to the original, but not just a straight up remake. And in my opinion, totally accomplishes that. Both are great, but they are 1000% doing their own thing. Yeah, that's what uh, that's what I heard to this one. Uh, I hadn't seen the original one, but it, 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 upon hearing people talk about it, my wife is uh, loves the original movie. But this one is for sure doing its own thing, which is yeah. cool and different. You know, I, mean, I haven't seen many horror movies like of this caliber. Mm-hmm. I, I I also have a, a partner who uh, loves the original and was really excited to watch this with me. And Claire, I, I got the the distinct impression. She was very impressed. But it's also apparently it, it really strays from the original in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and well, I'll get into a lot of those important distinctions. But this new script is set during the German autumn of 1977. And you can hear some of the stuff happening in the background of the movie. But to give a little historical synopsis, the Red Army faction was attempting to affect the release of several of their members held captive by the government for assassinating the attorney general. They then assassinated Hans Martin Scheiler, a former member of the SS turned powerful businessman, when German officials refused to cooperate and instead hijacked Lufthansa Flight 181. This was unsuccessful as well in convincing them to release the prisoners. And that night, the leaders of the RAF that they had been trying to free committed suicide in big air quotes and this is controversial because one of them actually survived the attempt the one who was knifed and claims that it was actually extrajudicial killings not suicide for the three that died which led to of course lots of protests and riots and david thought that this setting would be effective in exploring generational trauma not just person to person but also for the entire country who was still dealing with the aftershocks of fascism. Those it's not just an under like, like it's not an underscoring. There are times in the plot when like Blanc has a whole speech about it at one point, just like you can't even imagine what we went through 50 or or what was it like 30 years ago in this country, like very, they're, they're very much that connective tissue of generational trauma is through and through all of it, even more so when we get to the end, but you pick up on it. I mean, right. it, it's it's there. It, it's not what the plot is, but it is absolutely what the setting is. Yeah. You never get really lost where it's placed in time because uh, they do a good job tying that in. Right. It's so effortlessly blended. And it kind of reminds me of the way that Patricia, you know, they talk about how the dance studio and her political affiliations kind of get the wires crossed a little bit. And I feel like that's kind of yeah. what the movie is doing on purpose as well, in that it is exploring these political affiliations while also exploring this sort of supernatural stuff that it's interested in as well. Yeah, at first, I don't think seems- there's anything supernatural in this. Yeah, no, oh, yeah, you're pretty right. straightforward. <laughs> 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 this film was set apart from the original in a handful of ways, but the most important three are first. The extended dance sequences, which are essentially non-existent in the original. Uh, Absolutely bonkers in this movie. Dakota Johnson studied ballet for two years and is choreographed by Damien Jalet. 
It's incredible. The dance sequences in this are so fucking good. They're stunning. They're compelling. And you, I mean, if, I mean, I'm not to jump ahead, but Dakota Johnson, I, I, one of the things I said about, about her after watching this movie was she was in the 50 shades movies. I didn't care about them. And I was really worried. I, you know, I came into this with like a, she's, she's not an actress. She, mm-hmm. she, she's a, she, she, she's a, an attractive woman who gets on screen and takes, of her clothes and boy i was so fucking wrong i was so wrong yeah, she's, she's so good in this and there are scenes where like she keeps her hair long so you don't even realize like you're like oh that's a that's a body double there and then like the hair flips back and it's her doing these right. dances it's yeah. insane yeah it's really uh, fascinating it's uh, you know there it's incorporated into the horror but even the moments that are not horrific do a really great job of captivating you it's really fantastic very um intense dancing it's very oh, sexual yeah. very uh people die yeah well they sure do spoilers <laughs> we'll get into it but uh you know <laughs> sorry everyone no <laughs> the second differentiation is the color scheme like we've already said the original is way over the top it's these bright reds and blues creates a very eye-catching palette but in this lucas said he wanted to use winterish tones creating a bleakness that's not only thematically appropriate, but also serves to create a great backdrop for the red of Dakota Johnson's hair and outfits to really pop. Mm, interesting. And it does. It's like kind of, it does have that like creepy lighting throughout the movie, which kind of, yeah. it, it just adds to the whole thing. The, the scenes outside are all like gray. Like yeah. everything, the world they live in is just gray. Mm-hmm. And then the scenes inside are again, that stark, it's like if you were in front of the Matrix, uh, uh, like code, like it's it's yeah, very bright sure. colors and very dark colors. Right. right. We all know what that's like. No, mm-hmm. I'll just have to imagine it. I'm having a tough time, though. <laughs> <laughs> the third differentiation is the score. Very different from the original, which is also one of the all time greats. You know, Goblin absolutely crushes it over and over again, working with Argento. Their scores are just top notch. Deep Red is one of my favorite movie scores of all time. And here, instead, we get some no name Tom yeah. York, yeah, Radiohead. <laughs> I, as soon as as soon as the first song started, I heard the voice and was like, "Oh, wait, what?" And yeah. then his Tommy. name popped up on the screen, and I was like, "Oh, this is going to be a delight." This is Tommy's here. <laughs> it actually took a lot of persistence for him to agree to do it. And no this way. Is, yeah, yeah. God, he seems so easygoing. Right. <laughs> It's famously chill. <laughs> <laughs> this is his first movie score, although he was approached once to do the score for David Fincher's Fight Club. Whoa, that's yeah. awesome. I had no idea. Love yeah. Fight Club. Uh, who is it instead? It's like uh, Aphex Twin, right? Didn't they do it? I know the Pixies song at the end. I don't know. Yeah, I was just going to say, I know there's a Pixies yeah. song. <laughs> um, uh, well, it's, it's great, but who knows what it could have been like with um, with old Tom on there. And uh, he said that it would have been pointless to try and recreate the style of the original or even take too much inspiration from it, which I agree. And so he instead looked to the kraut rock acts of the era like Faust, music concrete artists like Pierre Henry, and even the Blade Runner soundtrack is one that he said influenced him for this. It's oh, yes, cool. there is a lot of that same Blade Runner, like very glitchy electronic sounds like kind of like surreal. like distorted uh melodies and shit mm-hmm. like that a very heavy single notes played it just it that's it, 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 it does remind me of the uh, blade runner soundtrack a lot it really comes through the cast absolutely top notch we've wow. already talked about dakota johnson so great she's, she's amazing great. she's great in this, this i'm, I'm totally I've, turned around on her 
I've never seen her in anything else. And I thought, yeah, I thought she was really good in this. Well, allow me to also recommend Bad Times at the El Royale to you as well, then, because she's oh, okay. very good in that, too. All right. Noted. Noted. Yeah. Chloe Grace Moretz is in it as uh, the aforementioned Patricia. Mm-hmm. She was so good. I wish she was on the screen more. Yeah. I, she was. I, I'm glad to see her. Like, you know, she's grown up in Hollywood and then here she is doing a very different type of role than anything she's done before. Tilda Swinton is in it. Not once, not twice, but thrice, thrice, thrice. Uh, I only spotted twice. Well, I didn't know this until afterwards either. Yeah, what man. the third role was. There you go. She was uh, Madame Blanc. She mm-hmm. is Dr. Yosef Klemperer, although there is some trickery behind that. That got, is- that got spoiled for me by pausing it while watching on Amazon. Prime. <laughs> Dang. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then last, she also plays uh, Helena Marcos oh. at the very end. Oh, that makes so much fucking sense. There's so much makeup on her. Yes. There's so. <laughs> I, I also figured it out because uh, there's definitely a big prosthetics credit in the opening in the opening credits. They 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 very specifically had a prosthetics buy. So mm. very impressive. You, I mean. You can tell that it's someone, but looking at them, I don't know if I just saw them in a lineup that I would. Well, especially with uh, Dr. Klemperer. I don't right. know. That, I don't no, know that, that was the one I was surprised by. I had no I was looking at the credits on Letterboxd. I'm like, what? Right. Marcos no is idea. just so caked under stuff that it could be. anyone. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 It could have been any. It didn't have to be Tilda Swinton. Right. But Swinton and director Luca uh, thought that in this movie that's centered on women, it felt right to have a woman also play the principal male character. And during filming, actually, only a few of the cast members even knew that it was Swinton. Uh, None of the extras got to know. And they created this fictitious German actor named Lutz Iberdorf uh, as Klemperer to hide this fact. And they were like, how far are we willing to go for this? And at one point they were thinking that they were going to say that he died during the editing. And that's why he wasn't, uh, he wasn't like at the premieres and stuff. It's a bad omen. Yeah. They, they decided to not go with that, but they also did tie the name to Tilda Swinton because Aber means boar uh, or swine and Dorf means town in German, and therefore Swine Town, Swinton. There wow. you go. Friggin' Aberdorf, Swinton. That's quite the tie-in. Yeah. They put a lot of effort into yeah. naming this fictitious actor. Yeah, like <laughs> why too? Like, you know, just <laughs> just for fun, just, man. Just, say it, just man. for fun. Hey, it was fun. I had I had a lot of fun, fun when you just told me that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good factoid. Yeah. It was super creepy in this movie. I mean, mm-hmm. from start to finish, in all three characters definitely crushed it unbelievable made it made it very like made it just every time she was on screen just i was i was creeped out yeah she's so (laughs) she's so compelling in the movie and she walks a really fine line between like trying to be a a dance instructor Mm -hmm. trying to be the leader of a coven and trying to be something of a mother and and you must like the conflict between those things i know i know but it's just it just she she did an exceptional job and the character was so well written and so interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think she does a great job of balancing it. You know, at the end, we'll talk about exactly what the, the situation is, but you really believe that she is conflicted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Suspiria opened wide on November 2nd, 2018 and was an enormous flop. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I was yeah. reading an interview where Luca briefly talked about their plans for a sequel, which I'll, I could mention at the very end. But um, when the interviewer asked if they were still considering it, he said, how the movie made absolutely nothing. It was a disaster at the box office. Oh. And that it was Luca. Yeah. <laughs> how bad. 
it grossed around seven and a half million dollars on a budget of 20 million oh god that's yeah that's not good it's not great the reception was also very polarizing everything from the score to the pacing to the themes to the performances had people raving on both ends of the spectrum unfortunately dario himself didn't like it because it was so different from the original pointing out the score in particular but i think that this helps to just reinforce the idea that this is just doing its own thing, baby. Everyone yeah. expected it to be a recreation of the original, and it's not. And that's what I love about it. And yeah. you should talk to Stephen King, who said that the ending of the Mist movie was better than the ending that he wrote. Yeah, um, but he also talks a big shit pile on The uh, Shining. So, <laughs> oh, you know what? That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> To get into the actual movie, it's gray and smoky on the streets of 1977 Berlin with a soaked and miserable looking Patrizia clutching her bag and moving past a protest. She intrudes on Dr. Joseph Klemperer, played, like we said, by Tilda Swinton, and is clearly disturbed. And she claims that they, in big quotes, are witches forced underground by the war. She talks about how they groomed her, gave her gifts like perfect balance and telepathy, but they took as well. And this opening sequence is so fucking good as a tone setter. She comes in so erratic. She's singing, you know, even if she is not delusional about what's happening, she seems like she is. She is bouncing off the walls. She's She's hiding. She's tweaking. She's tweaking. She's like, she's like putting herself fully up onto like cabinets and squatting on them. Like she's just doing weird ass shit. All over the place. Right. And she says Marcos was going to live in her and she thought that she wanted it. She let the possession happen, but now she's scared and they're still after her. It's scary. scary oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's it. You're right. It is a really good tone setter. Pretty spooky, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I agree. It was, mm-hmm. I, I'll third that. Yeah. Yeah. The opening credits finally run over a fairly bleak looking farm while a woman expires inside. A few people pray over her and we see a sign that reads. A mother is a woman who can take the place of all others, but no other can take her place. And uh, of course, that is uh, very interesting, considering the uh, rejection of the one that bore her that happens later. And, uh, you know, the way that the the new mother becomes such a a prominent figure in her life. Of course, it is. It's just a fun little production design choice. A little foreshadowing, maybe. Yeah. Five shadowing even. Whoa. Is that even allowed? Yep, it's a lot of shadowing. (laughs) Now we're back in Germany. We joined Dakota Johnson in the pouring rain. This is Susie Banyan, here to audition for the Marcos Dance Company at the prestigious Tons Academy. Uh, The camera pans over to a hierarchy of the matrons. Included is Madame Blanc, played by Tilda Swinton, as we said, and Helena Marcos, a grim-looking woman, and the one Patricia was yelling about earlier. And I love that so early on, before we're even introduced to the witches, we see the hierarchy. We yeah. see how how structural their their relationships are and how regimented everything is. Mm-hmm. I think that it's, again, a really great way of foreshadowing the way that things are going to shake out, sets things up without you even knowing it. Yeah, it seems very intense from the get-go, like when she just shows up there and she's getting kind of grilled yeah. by the one, uh, the one mother. Mm. very intense before she right before she auditions i think it's like the first scene when she gets there yeah and Susie is doing some breathing exercises to prepare and she seems to react to an energy in the building uh she's from the other side of the streets (laughs) shy (laughs) with no formal training or references and in fact you know yeah like you say uh madam tanner says that she's only here because madam blanc was in a good mood when she got her message about auditioning it's like wow that's fucked up (laughs) yeah they're not 
they don't they don't make a welcoming uh, uh, mm-hmm. safe space for her in this audition. It, sure. it, 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 it was it was it was causing me anxiety with the <laughs> like, oh, no, 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 no. You don't dance to music. Right. They ask her to do with no music. That's crazy. <laughs> but of course, Susie does knock it out of the park to the point that Madame Blanc feels it happening and comes by to see the end of the audition which does indeed get Susie into the company. We did it. Wow. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. Great job, Susie. Great job, Susie. <laughs> you nailed it. Uh, she's going to stay in the dormitory style rooms that they have at the school. The only reason that there's a room available is because, uh-oh, Patrizia has disappeared, guys. What? Not good. The mysterious circumstances. That's right. Under suspicious circumstances. Yes. Her friends think that she may have had to go underground due to her association with the RAF, the same RAF who sets off a bomb outside Susie's window that night as she meets her new pal, Sarah. This is where that like it ties in. That storyline kind of ties in right for the one of the first times. Yeah. But put the bomb. Right. There's a vote that same evening as Blanc attempts to overthrow Mother Marcos, but she loses by three votes and Marcos Mm. is remaining in control of the coven. And it would appear that whatever ritual was. Uh, worrying Patrizia was uh, not successful and also ghastly, but mm-hmm. they're like, we just got to move on to the next one. Maybe Sarah, <laughs> like there is so much in this movie about sort of the exploitation of uh, people under you and like power dynamics and everything. And the callousness with which these witches <laughs> can't believe I pulled that off. I couldn't fucking <laughs> say a word earlier. <laughs> <laughs> But they they're so quick to just be like, well, she needs a new body. So uh, this one didn't work on to the next, I guess. Right. Well, it, there's this 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 power dynamic is, is really interesting, too, because you're right. There's a preying on the younger while those on top are are in kind of almost like a communal situation. They they they, they eat all their meals together and they mm-hmm. they celebrate together and and. But you you really notice that difference between the members of the coven and the members of the the dance troupe, and the the members of the dance troupe are nothing but fodder. Yeah, they do a, they do a really a thorough job of establishing that hi- hierarchy. Yeah, like right from the get go. Definitely so. There's also a lot of great stuff with the doctor that isn't super like advancing the plot, but mm-hmm. suffice it to say, his wife died in the Holocaust. And a lot of the melancholia of his scenes play into the trauma recovery and catharsis aspect of the movie. It's definitely the story aspect that people complain about the most. I think it does add a lot to the general themes of the movie. Yeah. But people people don't like the doctor stuff. I did question like because it, it took a minute for it to be for me to I did ask a couple times watching this movie, like, <laughs> hey, what the fuck's going on? And like a, a early on with these scenes, like I I, I while well, it came together nicely, I don't want to spoil anything, but like yeah, it's, it's a little confusing. Sure. I guess. And in a two and a half hour movie, yeah, a little confusing early on can really fester. Right. It does. <laughs> Certainly does. But he also one thing that's revealed uh later is that he accidentally caused the death of his wife in the Holocaust by playing down her worries the same way that he did with Patrizia. You know, they didn't get out in time because he uh, he, he was like, no, no, this like it'll it'll pass. Well, we have we have time. We have time. We have time. Right. Um, and then they didn't have time. And mm. so uh, she got uh, sent away to a concentration camp. Not good. Rough. Yes. Susie goes to her first rehearsal of Volk with Olga in Patricia's part and Sarah in Olga's part. 
And Olga starts to dance, but she freaks out, saying that they orchestrated Patrizia's disappearance and are witches. She storms out and says she's had enough. It's great, great. You know, great. Olga's not in this movie a ton. No, so that's the end of Olga. We never see her again. Well, even if that were true, she would still have really made a meal of her limited time on screen. Oh, yeah. 100%. <laughs> she certainly did. You did sense, though, that this was the end of her. Like, I, I at least I did watching this scene. I'm like, oh, she's done. It's, for. Well, yeah. it, I think that her exit was very subtle. Mm. Mm. Yes. Yeah. They really were going to allow her to just slip away into the right. night after that. <laughs> oh, my God. Now, they're not sure who's going to dance the protagonist now. When Susie volunteers, she says that she's seen the dance hundreds of times in the documentary at the library, and she knows the part. The thing is, she'll have to do it alone to prove that she can. They don't want anyone getting kicked in the ribs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, <laughs> that would was, suck. That would that's suck. definitely if, happened there before. Her, you know. Yeah, if her dancing caused someone harm, that would really <laughs> suck. Meanwhile, Olga is getting bewitched, blinded by tears, and lured into, then trapped in the room where Susie auditioned, which leads into one of the most effective horror sequences I can think of. It is... One of my favorites that I have ever seen. It's incredible. Simultaneously, a beautiful dance sequence and its own twisted reflection, literally in a room full of mirrors where Olga is crumpled into a ball through Susie's unknowing movements. It is unreal. Oh, my God. And the moment before then, too, when Olga is like on the stairs and like she looks like she's trying to leave and then runs into I can't remember the mother's name. But she's they, just they like, blend. They're all the, yeah, the they're all the same. one of one of them. Um, but she's just staring at her and looks like putting some sort of spell on her. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but it was just very, very creepy. And then when she winds up in the room of all mirrors, oh, just, just wow. very agonizing. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's terrifying. <laughs> JP, you you look distraught over there. <laughs> it's I, I couldn't agree with you more about it's one of the most effective like like cuts of 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 a horror film ever it's so upsetting yeah it's mm-hmm. it's not it's not that it's graphic because it's, it's i mean it's kind of graphic it's pretty gruesome well, okay yeah. it's it's it, it's it is but it's not gory like right. like, like no. it's not yeah. blood yeah not there are blood. other times in this movie when they're like oh okay do you want to see some intestines we got some <laughs> intestines for you <laughs> this is not that scene but this scene is like so upsetting and yeah. and she just does such an exceptional job. I, yeah. I, I I was so, I mean, I was taken out of it. I know it's an actress, an actor in, you know, doing this really tough physical choreography. But I also was like, oh, God, her yeah. leg, oh, yeah. her elbow. Oh, it's so no. real looking. It, Legs it, it, aren't supposed to bend like that. Like, no. That's, yeah, it was, she it was such bad. a great job. The, from the, from the, the first minute that she gets slammed into the mirrors and her mm-hmm. ribs are so clearly fucked up right away. Yeah. yeah. And then she bends in half and she pees and bile comes uh, out of her mouth. And it's yeah. fucking oh. vile. It's, it's fucking vile. It's truly no, said bile. awful. Yeah, well, both. <laughs> oh, it is vile bile. Vile bile. Mm-hmm. It's really spectacular. And of course, this whole mirror image thing is, is kind of reflective of the transition that Susie goes through where she starts off as this meek girl. She basically apologizes from coming from Ohio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then she turns into this super confident uh, mother. You know, in the end, uh, where where she is just so 
self-assured. The dancing, like we said, is is very sexual. And, and we see in her past the kind of repression that was forced on her. It really, the, the sort of mirror image of who she was to who she became is reflected in this dance sequence as well. Just great stuff. And uh, yeah. <laughs> now you've said reflected a couple of times. George, yeah. did you notice that there's a, a mirrors motif in this film? A what? <laughs> lots of mirrors everywhere that doesn't sound right i didn't notice any and i think that would be the kind of thing i would notice you, you seem like you'd seem like you'd pick up on that kind of thing it impresses madame blanc though and the rest of the troop and this is when Susie has it kind of unleashes her she has a flashback to her stern amish upbringing uh, 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 mennonite mennonite no yeah. no no it was amish because they left the mennonites because they thought the mennonites were getting too liberal Oh, I thought they were Mennonite because they left the Amish because the no, Amish think were so. too. Well. I, think the, I think the Mennonites are the chill ones. I mean, I've been to a Mennonite wedding. They're more chill. More ch- Sure. I guess yeah. in the yeah. scheme of. Yeah. I don't know if any of them would be described as chill overall. <laughs> That's that <laughs> is fair. OK. OK. So, OK. If it was Amish, I apologize. I, either way, a very, very oppressive uh, religious sect. Sure. She yes. uh, we see her masturbating and gets her hand burned for her trouble at one point. Mm terrible yeah and she's doing that the doctor is reading through the journal that patrizia left in his office which depicts the circle of power and much more about the coven and olga gets hooked and brought to the basement by the matrons still not allowed to die oh my george, god george hey, let's not Brutal. rush past this now you said she got hooked do you want to explain exactly what you mean by she got hooked I mean, they took some very sharp hooks. <laughs> they have, they have, it's very like literally, yeah. It's their like, like the, the weapon that they all wield is, mm-hmm. is some sort of creepy, thin, sharp, long hook. Mm. It's terrible. And they yeah. just pierce her and carry her out. She moans. She's multiple, alive. Yeah, she's still alive. And uh, multiple of the witches mm. are piercing her with their hooks mm. to carry her out. Yeah, they literally carry her on it. Yeah, and there's got to be a better way too than the... <laughs> you don't want to get pee on yourself. <laughs> That's true. It's true. That's true. She's yeah. been through... Uh, she's she's messy there. Susie is officially offered the protagonist role by Madame Blanc, and she describes the feeling as what she imagined animalistic fucking feels like. You know, again, this is kind of a shocking moment for someone who has been so reserved up to this point. And with the dance, you really see that this has started to affect her. The power that she's gaining from impressing other people, the confidence that she's finding in herself um, mm-hmm. is is really powerful and coming through. Yeah, it's a, it's a, she grows up a little bit in this scene. Yeah, you know, she's not the kid from Ohio anymore. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and uh, the police come by to check on Patricia, called by Dr. Klemperer. And one of the other matrons distracts them by claiming to be Madame Blanc. Meanwhile, Susie and Sarah sneak together into an office and look at the files. Patricia's is missing, as is Olga's. And I think now is as good a time as any to discuss Susie's rebellious streak, because She's talked about hitchhiking to New York for the dance despite punishment. She says that she got punished um, and she was extremely ready to do a, a favor for Sarah, despite the warning of possibly getting caught. And here she's able to bring break into the cabinet. It's very interesting to see this kind of uh, iron spine that she has, that she's developed this rebellious streak, a refusal to buckle against the people like her mother who tried to break uh-huh. her. Rebellion, rebellion, re- rebellious. 
yeah. rebellious nature. Yeah. It's, it's, and I think the ending kind of cements it, but even earlier in the movie, I think the character is so interesting because despite oppression, she has certain things that she has just always had confidence in. And, and you see that in the character here. I mean, the dancing is, is obviously like, it's not just that, She's so good at it. It's clearly a gateway for her to get to something else. And I, yeah. I mean that, I mean that at this point, figuratively, <laughs> but it, it is, it, she's so, she is so confident in ways and this, the rebellion, I mean, you see her doing these things with no, she's not worried about anyone's thoughts about it. She's not even, she's not even worried about getting caught. I mean, yeah. she, it makes the character so interesting because they could have made her very weak and, and scared, but they didn't. They made her like the act of leaving her family behind is, I think, the birth of her. And so yeah. we're not seeing her newborn, but we are seeing her still kind of finding her footing. Right. And you don't see it, too, because it's like it's not she's acting very confident in a or in a setting of, you know, very confident people, you know. Yeah. So it's not like she's just taking advantage of like weak people around her. She's yeah, it's it's bold. She's like surprisingly kind to everyone and also. They, they, I was worried that they were going to do like, and then the other girls were jealous of her because she came in and then was the star. And right, like, no. not really, not not the story they were telling. And I really appreciated that. She's a strong female character. You know, it's not just like a lot of people when they try and write that go, oh, it's a woman who uh, she smells and she she says fuck a lot. And, and she's just one <laughs> of the dudes. And that is not necessarily a strong female character. A strong female character is one who has agency and is well-rounded and well-developed. Yeah. And, you know, it, this this story, there is so much clearly going on with this character that we only get glimpses at. Uh -huh. that, it, it, that she is kind and she sees the strength in that and that she is rebellious and she's not interested in just... Uh, asses. Right, right. It's It's just a really fantastic character. Sorry, I didn't mean to really throw you off there, but there was cat ass on that camera. There was, <laughs> there was and he also <laughs> almost hung up the fucking call. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so so I scooped him right off just now. But while Sarah is looking to no avail, Susie pokes her head into the next room and sees the cops entranced with the matrons cackling at their penises. Yeah. <laughs> this movie did not shy away from male nudity, both real male no. nudity and prosthetic male nudity. Yeah, 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 and, and I'm here yeah. for it. Yeah. Right, it was great. Right. We're all here. Also, poking the oh. penis with a with the hook. And yes, and so I was going to say funny. there is there is an undercurrent of like like female empowerment in this, and 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 mm -hmm. you know the oppression of women in general is is clearly a, a a a strong theme of the movie. But this scene was like on the one hand. They're taking advantage of these guys who didn't do anything to deserve this. And on the other hand, it's like, yeah, but also like they've been oppressed for so fucking long by men and by cops. And and absolutely like, yeah, go ahead and like poke their penis and laugh at it. <laughs> I'm fine with it. I, 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 right, I, no one I kind of was like, me too. Give me the hook. I'm going to poke it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anybody felt sorry for those. Guys. No, no, definitely not. Um, and ACAB. <laughs> <laughs> they, you know, earlier on, they talk about how Madame Blanc, part of what makes her so impressive is that they kept it going. They kept the dance studio going through the war when it was a time when men just wanted women to keep their uteruses open, you know, and, yep. their, mi and mm -hmm. their minds shut down. And so that is clearly a through line for the entire dance studio and part of the foundation of it. So uh, I think that that is, again, something that 
it doesn't just feel like lip service. It feels like it permeates the characters. Yeah, it's a theme throughout, for sure. Now, Blanc says she wants to start a new piece called Vider Ufnen about rebirth and the inevitable pull that they exert and our efforts to escape them. Little, little on the nose, but... Quite a bit on the nose. When she <laughs> called it, re- the, it is about rebirth, I was like, oh boy, I see where this is going. <laughs> right. Well, but you know what? It is also trying to affect a literal rebirth. So I think that it it does work in that it is like, well, this is what witchcraft is. So like, we're doing a fucking rebirth spell. So that's what the name of this dance is. <laughs> and from under the floor, something reaches up to Susie with raspy breath drawn to her energy as she dances. It's Helena Marcos, someone who claims to be one of the three mothers these witches worship, although Madame Blanc doubts this. She's here because she wants Susie for her rebirth, but Blanc says she won't rush again. What a great, creepy moment when she reaches up Mm -hmm. to the- It's so, this shot's so good, like like painting through the floor. It also introduces the, the kind of old gods concept to this like yeah. like this is an ancient ones thing this is not mm-hmm. this is not jeebus and his his best friend dad this is <laughs> uh the, the, these the these these mothers pre-exist they, they, they exist prior to the creation of the universe right. and yeah it has a supernatural element to it which is which i am here for i actually didn't notice cool. a supernatural element really mm, really there was really? yeah no 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 interesting it's, uh, it, in the first part of the movie uh the old man uh is a vampire Oh, that makes yeah. sense. Okay, yep. it all it all mm-hmm. comes together. Yep, that's that was Dracula. the only part though. Okay. Yeah, he was a he was a Dracula. That's true. <laughs> classic, classic Dracula. Susie says that she felt something when Mother Marcos reached up, but Sarah didn't, and says, "Huh, that's the kind of thing Patrizia would say." All right, whatever, let's go. Yeah, and roll on. <laughs> Can we talk about Sarah real quick? Sure. I, my God, I really liked her, and She's I was very rooting charming. for her, and I was. And it, it didn't go well for me as a fan no. of her. No, but um, no. I, uh, Mia Goth is her mm-hmm. name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was just it, like, she was exceptional. I, yeah. I, I really. She was great. Again, like they, they, they created just wildly varying characters and yeah. they, none of them felt like a, like a, 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 an archetype or a stereotype. Like they, she just had such an interesting storyline. She yeah. did. I was confusing. I was confused where they were going with it at first, like because it seemed like they were setting her up to be like this, like a henchman mm-hmm. type deal right. before you know recruiting Susie. But yeah. went kind of the other way. Yeah, I, I, she first, yeah, she's, she's the one that goes to get Susie from the the hostel that she's staying in, or the hotel, or whatever. Right. And like, yeah, it was immediately like, oh, the witch's center. She's devious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they even say, oh, she's a good one to send. She's a good representative of the dance studio. It's like, oh, <laughs> she's just a dang nice person. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> She is. Uh, she is. I hope also, it goes well for her. <laughs> Same. Hope it works yeah. out. Mia Goth, also the lead, or well, I guess the main supporting actor in um, my favorite movie of 2020, Emma. So there you go. Oh, I haven't seen it. It's great. Really? My favorite huh. movie of 2020. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Anya Taylor Joy, unreal. She's great. Very funny. Damn very it. funny movie. Anyway, huge <laughs> digression. <laughs> <laughs> but the matrons are out having a damn blast and they say, Hey, Dr. Klemperer is going to be the witness that tradition calls for. And uh, you're just like, all right, I guess that works. That makes sense. It actually, it actually made me feel better. Cause I was starting to worry he was going to die, but if he has to be the witness, I'm like, all right. Oh, I, yeah. I mean, it's probably not going to be good, but uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe he'll live. 
Yeah, it does. I do want to talk about this more at the end, but I think that it's really interesting that they choose him to be the witness specifically. You know, they talk about like, oh, should it be one of the girls? And they're like, no, it has to be the doctor. And there's a certain element of them understanding that they exist within a sexist society, especially in 1977, although things have not improved as much as we might hope. Uh, And they have to sort of legitimize their trauma by having a man see it and confirm it. Yeah. 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 That's why they don't choose the girl. Yeah. That's why they don't go with the girls and they go with that. Right. And it's the, the whole point of like the traditional witness of having someone who will be taken seriously, you know, it takes, it, it plays so much into the doctor's plot line of traditionally disregarding women's fears Mm-hmm. and and disregarding it to the point of their death that's incredibly astute you're absolutely right and so i just think that's a, a really great like little little choice that uh i mean it's not a little choice it's a huge pivotal choice <laughs> but <laughs> but it seems like a little choice yeah I, it, it, yeah, it seems that. arbitrary until we learn more about what happened with him which we've talked about already mm-hmm. but you don't learn about what happened with his wife until later on when right. when right when the witches are really kind of they're 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 grooming him to be the witness and, yeah. and give him some visions. Definitely. Madame Blanc also says she's been sending dreams to Susie. We got to see one. It's very distressing. <laughs> yeah. But again, talking about sort of Susie's confidence, she wakes up screaming. I know who I am. And this right. can, of course, be interpreted two ways. It could be her going, oh, shit, I'm Mother Suspiriorum. Or it could just be mm-hmm. her going, oh, I know I am not going to allow myself to be possessed in this way. Yes. I, right. I have yes. a self-actualization. It works in both, both elements. I think it really does. This is the most like uh surreal kind of element to the movie. I would say is like these dreams that mm-hmm. she has. A few Not times. the uh, exploding heads from the embodiment of death. At the <laughs> I didn't find, Maybe. I didn't find that part uh, surreal at all. I found oh, it very yeah. real and very awesome. I, I guess very, yeah, that, that, you know, I don't know, but like <laughs> it was uh, w- one of my favorite mm, surreal moments, yeah. I guess, but I, I wish we could have gotten a little bit more yeah. of these. Cause I did. I really liked them. It really like set that. Um, Reese out here trying to make a two and a half hour movie even longer. That's how you yep. know it's I good. Know, yep. yeah. No, no, I, but I, Riggs, I totally agree. And I think that they very often dream sequences in movies are either so heavy handed and obvious that I just like, it's just eye rolly. Yeah. Or they're so esoteric and, and flighty that they, it's like, oh, you're just trying to, you're not, you're not drawing any connection between the plot and the sure, dream. You're just trying no, to, no, dream for friend. dream's sake. Yeah. Right. And, and I think they nailed it. I, I read I'm totally with you. I love the dream sequence. I loved also the way that she came out of it and said, I know who I am. Like mm-hmm. it was incredibly yeah. powerful. 100%. Definitely. And the rest of the troop says, oh, that's common at this school. Oh, yeah. They're all like, oh, I, 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 I dreamed of a bear eating me or something. Like, like everyone has these horrible, right. like when I first got here, I had yeah. all these nightmares. Three weeks. I didn't sleep right for like three weeks. <laughs> yeah. Like she says, like no one seems to really question like yeah. that. That's, that's not normal. Dr. Klemper goes to the police again and they pretty much refuse to help. Uh, although he does sort of give a little more of this backstory where he, he says that one of the policemen there helped him cross off Poland or, or something to that effect when he was looking for mm-hmm. uh, through the records for his wife's death confirmation, some kind of absolution. But he does not get it. And I really laughed at, do you understand the kind of week we're having with the context of yeah. the German autumn that's happening? Yeah, just such a funny line. 
<laughs> that's <laughs> like, of course, they don't give a shit about this one yeah. girl who is maybe missing, uh, but also mm-hmm. might be like the people that they're actively fighting against. The, the, the people <laughs> that they consider to be terrorists. Yeah. yeah. We're having a bad week. They sure are. And instead, it's uh, it's it's the clerk's line. Like, I'm not even supposed to be here today. (laughs) (laughs) He instead goes to the company and convinces Sarah to hear him out over breakfast. And she's dismissive. But he says delusion is a lie that tells the truth. And and she's upset by these accusations from him and Patrizia's diary. Now, I got to I got to talk about this scene because um what the fuck was he eating? Because <laughs> it looked like maybe it was a pot pie, but maybe yeah. it was a pastry, but it had yeah. steep sides. Uh-huh. And yeah. I mean, I, I wanted to eat it, but mm-hmm. I also had no idea what it was. Yeah, I don't know. It looked like something in there was it was like a container of yeah. some kind. Or or maybe that was maybe that was like a pie crust. I don't know. Right. That's right. But that's what I think. I think it, I think it's a pie crust or like a pastry puff or something that contained within it some kind of gray looking something <laughs> the movie really it drew me in and mm. i wanted to be there eating yeah. that weird ass shit <laughs> this was i, I was uh this scene too because sarah's there just with the doctor yeah. and i think this is the first time maybe that you see because uh the, one of the girls outside of the house without the matrix right. around too which Susie you know, is seems uh, like at they, the uh, train station, but that's it. Right. Which kind of breaks the illusion that they like couldn't escape. Right. Really. It just didn't really work out for Olga. Except what happens. Except. What happens when Sarah leaves the diner? Oh, she sees oh, the yeah. lady. The one, the other matron spooky lady. Right. Matron um, three. The, yeah. <laughs> matron. Yeah. She's the spook. She's probably the creepiest one. And yeah, I mean, like, I don't think she would ever like escape escape, but like just escape like the they're, they're spying. or wherever they're right. in. Yeah, they're right. spying. Yeah. Can we no and it, before we before we continue? And I, I don't know if it's happened yet in the plot, but there is one of the matrons who the entire time is like catatonic mm. and doesn't say anything. And then at some point she stabs herself in the neck. Right. And mm-hmm. I couldn't for the life of me. I thought that that might be Marcos mm. uh, until she stabbed herself in the neck. I just couldn't figure out what was going on with that lady. My interpretation of of this woman is that she is in fact not one of the witches, but being controlled by them. And I think that the, she is so, like you say, basically catatonic. She, they cut to her right before Olga gets killed. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And we see how miserable she looks slumped in the chair. And to me, I think that she is another casualty of the coven that they are, holding her there for some reason, maybe just as like a maid. And the minute that they let go and that they, they let her, uh, her, her, their control lapse, she kills herself rather than, rather than, you know, be under the control. They all, all the witches moan about how they couldn't stop her in time. They were all laughing just moments before. So they were distracted to me. I I think they were drinking. I think that this is, um, uh, they don't explore it. It's left up to your interpretation. To me, this is someone who was under their control. Okay, so, so my thought was that she is one of the coven witches, but that uh, this is a sign of the kind of decay that's happening. Mm. Because even though Mother Marcos says that she's one of the original mothers, clearly things are falling. They're not thriving. I mean, yeah. I, they're, they're desperate uh-huh. to have her reborn. They're desperate to try to recapture like 
the power that was this this dance company years yeah. before. And I, I I was wondering if she was. And again, I, I think you're right. I think it's left open to interpretation because they don't spoon feed you anything in this movie, but especially that character. And I I think my interpretation was just they're losing their power. They 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 they're losing their control. They're losing their sway. I agree that she was under their control, but in the same way that every member of the coven sure. is. I think that totally works for me too. Yeah, it makes them seem um, not invincible. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah yes. There's there's internal conflict that we've seen already. Yeah. You know, uh, Blanc has challenged Marcos for control of the coven already. Right. Clearly, there is internal strife, uh, and and she could very well be a casualty of that instead. Their weakness is a knife to the neck. Yeah, <laughs> who knew? It turns out. It turns out they have a, <laughs> that's their kryptonite is a knife to the neck. <laughs> Multiple ever, times. If you ever have yeah. to fight a witch, remember. Stab them in the throat right. with a knife <laughs> several right times. The <laughs> There's a sentence that comes up shortly hereafter from Blanc to Susie that I really enjoy, where she says, movement is never mute. It's a language, a series of energetic shapes written in the air like words, forming sentences, like poems, like prayers. And then Susie goes, spells. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm fucking get yep. her ass. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's 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 interesting. And this Call her ass this out. gets back to the 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 ancient ones, the old gods. Like this is not witches riding broomsticks and reading from books. Right. Like yeah. there's there's something spiritual and and organic about the type mm-hmm. of magic that they're doing. Yeah, like they don't cast spells. They have they have intentions and and kind of capture the the through dance. And through intention, like make things happen in the world. Definitely. Yeah, I think they do a really good job too of like a step. Like they don't call attention to it too much because otherwise it'd be, you know, a six hour movie. <laughs> but they do a good job of establishing that there is a lot of dense lore here in this world. Yeah. Like, you know, there could be they, they can go, you know, there could be a compendium to go along the book to explain all the mothers and everything and all that kind of yeah. stuff. It, so no, no. And I'm, it, a, except, I'm a sucker for and that. It, like, it's exactly what I don't want, though, because I loved how this world exists in a way where you like, not that I want a sequel, but you could, right. you could go anywhere with a sequel because there's so much yeah. they establish just enough for this to make sense and feel like it has rules right. without, without giving you like a guidebook uh, of, of this is the way that magic works. No, exactly. And I like that too, where they, they, they allude to the fact that it could be there, but they right, don't right. say yeah, it. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a lot like yeah. Harry Potter. I feel like this movie right. borrows so heavily <laughs> yeah, totally. from the rules totally. of magic. I got Harry that Potter. too. Yeah. Now, Susie works with Madame Blanc on her jumps, saying that she wants to be the hands of the company, which I think is a very interesting choice. You know, yes. uh, as she comes into her own as Mother Suspiriorum, the hands are, of course, the uh, thing that you uh, actually have impact with for the most part, that you have a physical mm-hmm. impact on the world. And uh, I think that her understanding Control. of what she wants to do for the troop and how she wants to lead them into the next phase by clearing shop, basically um, that that is what she does. She is the hands of the troop by uh, tearing up, tearing it asunder. Yep. Yeah. Now, I have to say the jumping scene was where Claire and I got into it about we both were like, I, she's not jumping well. And and Claire's conclusion was, therefore, she's not a good dancer and she's not actually doing the dancing here. Now, while we've been recording, I want you guys to see what Claire uh, sent to me. Oh, you know, that I see it. Oh, I see it. 
She's not a good. Yeah, they, 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 Little Miss. Uh, 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 oh God, what are the two fucking old man Muppets who sit up and and Statler Waldorf? Statler Waldorf. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So she needed to get her two cents in. So Claire, congratulations. Uh, wow. I disagree. I yeah. think she is a good dancer, and I think that this scene actually was what convinced me because the not being good at jumping mm, was much fact, harder. And it was it was part of the character yeah. that she wasn't good at jumping. And then yeah. after she learned from the other woman and saw uh, uh, the, the jumping and then you cut back and she's insanely good at it. Yeah. They steal her power Space Jam style. Yeah. I don't know. I'm kind of team Claire on this wow. one. While the dance scenes were powerful. Like I've never seen dancing like that. Before. Wow. I like I it. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I think the scenes are mm. good. Is that good dancing? I don't know. Wow. I'm not a good, I'm not a dancer though, so I don't know. Okay, if you if you are a professional dancer and have seen this movie, I'd like you to reach Light out in. to George and uh, <laughs> let him know, and you can you can tag us all. We'd like to know if the dancing in this yeah. is impressive. I'm sure. I mean, almost all of the 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 dancers in the movie are just professional dancers that they hired. So really, the question becomes: Is uh, 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 Dakota Johnson. Dakota Johnson is she doing a good job? Mm. She trained for two years, though. Mm. That's insane. It's wild. Um, I I think that uh, I do happen to like this this kind of dancing. I think it's very interesting. I can understand why it might not be for everybody, but I think that this is, of course, uh, exactly what I was talking about earlier, where even the stylistic choices are very divisive, and clearly this has split the room. So, well, it's it's. I, I think I think that modern dance generally is more about human bodily movements and mm. expression through that than it is about having like a beautifully choreographed, like everyone's doing the same snap and, and step at the same time. And I think sure. it, it, it can be difficult, but I thought it was, I mean, there's something visceral about the dancing in this movie. That's almost mm. grotesque. It's captivating for sure. This is when the woman kills herself. It's very intense, comes out of nowhere. And Sarah finds a hidden room. And it contains what can only be described as the worst picture frame of all time. (laughs) 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 It's a picture of Blanc and Marcos held to the wall by like the hair and piss that they collected from the girls. I think it's so fucking gross. The frame is so fucking gross. Insane. It is. And I think it's makes me want to throw it's here that she sees the matrons being witchy, too. So she finally uh, understands and goes back to Klemperer. Right. She hears them talking about the not being able to stop the murder. She also is in the world's worst gift shop. Yeah. Yeah. She that, takes a hook, yeah, though. She gets bad. a hook. She does get a hook mm-hmm. that, that I, I was like, oh, yeah, no, you go run off and you like you, you start building up your own coven. OK, yeah. this is this is a hero story. You, wow. you got your weapon. Now you go out there and you win. It's Sarah's time Starts with one hook. <laughs> That's how you go. You, plant, <laughs> you actually have to plant the hook and it grows into a coven. Mm, yes, that makes sense. Goes. <laughs> they talk about Patrizia's diary and the internal conflict between the witches. And you can also see the doctor's menorah and a photo of his wife in the background, which I thought was a nice touch that I did not notice the first time. Oh, I didn't either. And it's here that he says, you can give somebody your delusion, Sarah. That's religion. That's the Reich. That was my favorite line of the whole movie. It's really good. But also... Is it not him once again disregarding what he he what they said happened? You know, one hundred percent. So it's a great line, but uh, I wish it, he would learn a lesson. I wish <laughs> he would learn a lesson about about listening to women when they when they speak their truth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Please, <laughs> it's um it's a great moment. Oh, this is actually when she she leaves and sees what she thinks is the matron. 
So it actually happens later than we thought because they, they know she took the hook. And so that's how they track her. Yeah. But it turns into a random old lady. And again, this is great because it's that kind of like, well, it could be magic. It could just be paranoia thing. Um, Up -hmm. until this point, uh, you know, the supernatural stuff has been mostly just kind of left behind ever since Olga happened, you know? Or I guess we see the police guys get hypnotized too. Yeah, I wasn't really, I I was pretty, I I had bought into the supernatural aspects of it at this point. All right, fine. Yeah, something (laughs) something definitely weird is going on. And she confronts Susie, Sarah does, and she says, you just haven't seen the bill yet, which is cool. (laughs) (laughs) It's time for the dance. The final performance of Volk. Dr. Klemperer is there and the gals are in there. Instantly iconic, fantastic rope dresses. These are so fucking sick. It's so fucking mm-hmm. rad. Also, it, it it's a misdirect. They, they want you to think that this is the climax. This is the moment. And he's here to witness it. Like, mm-hmm. like we know he's going to be right. a witness. Yeah. So you're sitting there waiting for this to be the big, like, oh God, whatever's going to happen. This is when it's going to happen. Hey, yeah. Put that together. She's going to drop a salient point. My dear boy, poor Sarah. <laughs> Yes. Sarah finds Patricia and the rest of the girls sacrificed to Marcos and the coven, but breaks her leg on the way out. It's let's let's whoa. I don't know that that's an accurate description. <laughs> she somehow falls into a hole in the floor mm-hmm. and then magical. her leg Classic shatters magical. at the shin uh-huh. and the bone protrudes out. Mm-hmm. Compound fracture. It's gnarly. Compound <laughs> fracture. Yeah. It's it was no. For sure, gnarly. Total gnar dog. The gnar dog. <laughs> they were like, remember? Whoa, remember, remember? That's a bone dog. Remember how we weren't going to be completely gory before? <laughs> Fuck yeah. you. Yeah, they're really, uh, every, everybody gets something in this. <laughs> they do. They really, they, they get a lot of a wide audience yeah. of, it's it's creepy on a lot of levels. Yeah. There's gore. There's, you know. You're starting to think there's shit. supernatural aspects. Whoa. No, that doesn't sound right. Too. Mm-hmm. Maybe, Maybe later. later we'll see the witches find her screaming and then they heal her and entrance her sending her uh, up to take her place on the dance floor and it's here that I almost started to notice a little bit of a supernatural element to the movie <laughs> <laughs> this was the moment I'll be, I, you could explain pretty much everything up until this point away you got me good you fucker <laughs> god damn it George one of the witches keeps staring at Dr. Klemperer during the dance and he starts to get hot <laughs> under the collar, which is very nerve wracking. Uh, they keep cutting back to Sarah's leg too. very distressing to know what's coming. Mm-hmm. And uh, she collapses, screaming in agony. And we have, can see that it has snapped once again under the skin. Uh, she's wheezing now, though, because she's being repressed again by the witches and is unable to communicate. You know, she's still sort of hypnotized. And so she doesn't have her voice anymore. She's been uh, abused and preyed upon by these witches yes. to the point that she can no longer communicate. She doesn't have her voice. And uh, it's a, merely a vessel. Yep. She didn't deserve this. She did not mm-hmm. deserve that. Um, Dr. Klemper makes good his escape, thinking of his wife on the way home, played by Jessica <gasps> Harper, who plays Susie in the original Suspiria. The original Suspiria. I saw her and was like, oh, my God. Also, oh, she looks cool. so good. Yeah. She looks she looks identical. Yeah. She was immediately recognizable. I got very excited. I did the thing where I paused the movie and I slapped my arm <laughs> on the chair and I said, Claire, do you know who that is? <laughs> you did the uh, the Leonardo DiCaprio once upon a time in yes, Hollywood. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what I did that night. Blanc and Susie talked telepathically 
saying that her improvisation derailed things and could have hurt more people. That scene was so good, though, because it took me a minute to realize because they keep the way they shot the, the scene. When you're hearing one of their voices, they would often have them turn so you couldn't see their mouth mm-hmm. while they were clearly mm-hmm. talking. And it took a little bit for me to realize, oh, shit. They're in their brains, man. Whoa. Whoa. (laughs) Brains. Susie is ready. She is doing a new dance or possibly masturbating. Um, I say that it's possibly masturbation, not to be lewd, but because, again, like I said, that's what her mother burned her hand for in the flashback. And this feels like the final transformative moments where she's shedding her inhibitions and repressions and really coming into her own here in the final moments. Like we've said, (laughs) coming into her own. (laughs) Like we said, the original, the dances all look very sexual. And so it is kind of hard to differentiate here in this moment. And I think that that is very intentional. She also dons some black gloves in high frame rate motion, which of course, uh, black leather gloves are a staple of uh, 70s Italian movies. So there you go. And Giallo mm-hmm. in particular. Interesting. Mm, I didn't catch that. Yeah. Also, that also uh, Spinal Tap, uh, that album. Yeah, cover. Smell the glove. That's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Dr. Klemper uh, tosses Patrizia's bag and hook that Sarah stole uh, off the bridge and returns home to find his wife reunited at last. Uh, She tells him how she made a new life after the liberation and was happy. And he is just delighted. He's so stoked. They, she didn't get married though. She's back. She's smooching him. She's ready to get back together, baby. Baby. And that's the end of the movie. And it really is a sweet (laughs) ending. It's unexpected. They they didn't didn't close out any of the coven stuff, but our (laughs) uh, Dr. Klemperer got his his wife back. It was very nice. It was very nice. One thing uh, I do want to mention, because I'll probably circle back around to this one little specific point, but we see Dr. Klemperer going back and forth between his office and his house several times during this. And every time he touches the engraving that was like uh, his wife and his plus in a heart. You know, your classic, yeah, classic house engraving that says we love each other. Mm-hmm. And he touches this every time and he talks to her spirit, which he feels like is there. And this is one of the like trauma things where it's like it's a scar on the house reminding him of what he lost. And even though it is uh, ostensibly a pleasant thing in that it is a memory of his love and her love for him. It is still a lingering pain that reminds him of this woman that he lost through his own fault. Well, I mean, I guess it's really through the Nazis fault, but, you know, no, 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 no. (laughs) But no, no, George, I, I completely agree. And it is it is the scarring. But it's also I think that the journey of this character is exactly that, like him seeing his wife in this way is him forgiving himself or having a fantasy about how it all worked out okay, Mm -hmm. And 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 that ends up not being the reality. And and I think that it's important that like, we have to see this and know that like, he wants to believe that everything worked out. Okay. That's what he's trying to convince himself. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. But the scars are there. The scars are there on the house. The scars are there on the people. And like, that's just not the way that that works. It's the same. Those, those scars are the same thing that's going on with Susie where even if she's an amazing dancer and has escaped her family, the scars of what happened to her, she can't pretend that didn't happen. Yeah. And, 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 right. and that's, I, I think that's one of the really, the things that I love about this movie is that it, it, it's about trauma. And it's also about like, 
you have to face it. You can't just pretend that those things didn't happen. What happened will turn you into something else, yeah. but you have to embrace it. Yeah, there is a, a violence to being reborn, I think, is is certainly one of the things that is a, a major point in this movie. Yep. Whether you're experiencing Absolutely. it or whether you're witnessing it. Mm. Mm. Yes, very much so. Mm. Meanwhile, the gals all go out to eat and Susie moves from the side to the head of the table opposite Blanc. Whew. It was, I honestly was one of those moments where I was like, Oh, that's symbolic. Stare down. <laughs> Look at that. That that's an impressive move. That means something. Mm, it sure does. They really stare each other down. They do. They do. They do. And the matrons put everyone else under a spell. The doctor walks with his wife past the dance academy where she vanishes, and he's ambushed by two of the matrons who are you screech at him. Banshees. Yeah, that was freaky. <laughs> Coming out of hell. It was incredible. They really scared me. I like jumped. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I also was like, I don't like this. No. Um, like, what the yeah, fuck? Yeah. They are furious with him and he begs for pity. And one of the matrons asks why they should pity him. After all, women tell you the truth and you don't pity them. You tell them they have delusions. <laughs> That's right. You fucking snap at his ass. Fucking, I, it, That's right. Yeah. Get him. That's yeah. right. Um, Take that, Tilda Swinton. Yeah. <laughs> they also say that he had years to get his wife out of Berlin before the arrest started, but he ignored her fears. And like I said, there's this element of legitimization of pain in a mis- uh, misogynistic society because people do not take women seriously. And as we've seen through so many sexual assault cases, mm-hmm. uh, their word is often not enough unless there is a man to back them up. Yep. And uh, I think that that is very much what is uh, happening here and, and it, sort of what they're commenting on. It, it is. And they, they take this, like this doctor who's been somewhat of like, like a father figure and, and, and a kind man trying to find the truth. And they really point out like, no, it's not enough. Things like this exists. <laughs> yeah. it, it's not enough. Things like this exist because you, even when you think you're doing what's right, you're ignoring, you're ignoring pain and right. suffering that's happening because it's just not enough. There's not enough evidence for you. Right. Yeah. Susie strolls into the Academy and she puts on translucent robes following a ball of light to the basement. Uh, the surrealism is really starting to pick up here. Yeah. Uh, the recurring, <laughs> the recurring ball of light, which who has been one of my favorite uh, character actors in the entire movie. <laughs> it's great. Uh, I, I want to yeah. see that spiraling, color changing ball of light mm-hmm. in more things. Um well a tough tough thing because that's lost. actually Tilda Swinton again. <laughs> God damn it Tilda Swinton. Uncredited. Yeah. No, that one light. makes sense. Yeah. I should have seen that one. It looks it, now, can, now that you say it, I it looks yeah. just like Tilda. You Swinton. can see the prosthetics making her a giant <laughs> ball of light. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe she didn't win an Oscar for her role as Ball of Light. Ball of Light. <laughs> There's a lot going on here. First off, we see the entire coven dancing. Uh, the matrons are covered, but the younger women are nude and in much more uncomfortable positions. Again, I think that this sort of plays into the way that uh, the women are being preyed upon by their elders yeah. and the power dynamic here. Uh, even in this moment where they're under a spell, they're being used and abused. They are humiliated in a way that even the mothers are not. Yeah. I also, I, I legitimately want to commend the, the actors in this scene. And, 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 and again, they, most of them are professional dancers. They're not actors first and foremost in terms of just straight up acting. 
they had to do some hard nudity in this. There's no, it's, it's, it's not sexy. It's not sexy in any possible way. It is buck naked, undulating legs open. Like, like it's, and it just goes on for so long too. Like they, they had Mm. to film like this for so long in, in scenes that are, gruesome and it must have been mm-hmm. exhausting because every one of them is just giving it their all yeah and there's a lot yeah. of wide shots so it's not like they're just <laughs> like they're not there like in the background oh, no. you see them fucking popping off the whole damn yes. time yes yes and it continues even through like the the ending of the movie or uh-huh. at least the ending until the epilogue like like it's it's intense mm-hmm. that's in it the endurance required for those actors yeah hats off to yep. them because I can do it and everything else. Yeah. I I, I don't even care about the nudity. It's the physical (laughs) exertion. All of it. All of it, I think is, uh, is no, not the nudity. I like the nudity. I'm I'm very comfortable. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to be, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm recording this naked and I didn't want to comment. I I didn't want to comment. Yeah. (laughs) I was hoping you would. I, I really feel like I'm being brave here. It is weird that neither of us have said anything up until. I, yeah, just, you know, I, thought, I just assumed you guys were intimidated. It's a two-way street, though, because I'm wearing the rope dress, and no one said anything about that. That is also true. Georgia looks Thank great. You. George, you've worn that every time we've recorded for the last six months. So yeah, you know, and you don't get a prize for it. You finally understand where it's from. It looks like it, you assembled it. Is that licorice tied together? It's red vines. Red vines. Okay. Yeah. That's that's yeah. That's yeah, what that I tracks. Hey, delicious. You gotta be able to uh, recreate it. You know, Improvise. I take a bite, yeah. get, get that blood sugar up, and tie a new red vine on. <laughs> you, then you can pop and That's lock right. it. After oh, that. I'm, I'm <laughs> popping and locking, baby. <laughs> um, also, Sarah is standing there and gets disemboweled and just keeps standing. Right, totally fine. Right. I didn't need. I didn't need those organs. <laughs> Right. She's standing. So are many of the other women taken to that point, like Patricia is standing there. Um, I should also maybe have mentioned this, that when I said that Sarah found Patricia, she was like alive and and just like a corpse, yeah. though. She was like, please kill me. I'm a shambling, uh, a hollow nothing of my former self. Like you said, a vessel, simply a vessel. She just looks like she was being uh, go- golemified, golemified. Of course. I agree. I agree. Turning into a golem is what I'm trying right. to say. No, I like that. Golemified. Right. Golem. Everyone knows that. <laughs> Everyone knows golemification. Golemification, yeah. There's also everybody's favorite Cenobite, Mother Marcos. Just an awful sight. Literally extra hands hanging off of her. Look, just disgusting. I do wonder if this, you know, they talk about the gruesomeness of the the ritual. I wonder, and we also saw the picture of her where at one point she looked like a human being. So I'm almost like, is this the result of the spells going wrong so many times? And that's, or if, the, or if this is why she was so desperate to get that. Re- uh, rebirth going you know it, it again, so, could go either way i i i my my thought was that like she, all she's interested in is perpetuating her life and like they're clearly not getting the spell right because she's so grotesque yeah like i don't know that like transferring to a new vessel is going to fix the thing where she's a collection of corpse parts like she's <laughs> i i i think and, and i think is that even this, living i know right right is she even truly alive no, but I think I think that's part of what they're getting at too. Is like it's it's a sign of like 
wait, this version, like if you're talking about like a pre-God God, that this doesn't make sense, that this, this, that it's such a, a travesty here. Right. I, I think it's great. Like I said, she, she's awful to look at. The doctor is also mm. sprawled out on the floor, nude and sobbing. And Mother Marcos, the intention is, like we said, for Mother Marcos to take over Susie's body. Susie is there saying she's ready. Uh, Madame Blanc is like, I don't know about this. Like we said, really great sort of conflicted portrayal by Tilda Swinton here in feeling that motherly instinct to protect her new Mm -hmm. protege, who is clearly an excellent dancer. We've seen her not want to give her up the entire movie, but also she is uh, linked to this coven permanently. She is a high ranking member. Uh, She has to think about not just herself, but also the good of the group. And so she is um, she is very conflicted. There's clearly some in like internal politics at play here. That's also like weighing on her because didn't she lose right. the election and everything? Three votes. Yeah. So and that's, that maybe that's it's a, like she doesn't want to give her that mm, power. That too. It was an odd, because, was an odd yeah. thing that they had all the, the, the votes like vocalized because it never comes back. Right. Sure. It never comes back. And yeah, <laughs> I can't think of anything. And Mother Marco says there will be nothing left of Susie, only space for her. And her laugh when she says, she's afraid for you, is the (laughs) stuff of nightmares. Agreed. It really is. Now, Madame Blanc thinks something is off, but Marcos is so eager to subsume Susie that she is determined to press on freaking cutting Blanc's neck in this crazy explosion of blood. Reverse Pez. It's, it's re- oh my god! Oh, wow, it is That's a reverse so true. Pez. That's so true. No, but it's also the weird choice that she cuts her at the back of the neck, not at the front of the neck. Yeah, yeah. I guess reverse Pez would be the feet opening. Maybe there's uh, a lot of reverse Pez. Yeah, I mean, this is couple. like like how does a dog wear pants kind <laughs> right, of thing. Right. right there's right, multiple right. ways. Um, I will also say that I initially meant to type just explosion, but it was a typo, a happy typo that I came up with the word explosion because it is. Nice. Yeah, it's that's it's, good. It's fun. That's good. That's really Damn. good. I'm, uh, I'm sending that in a letter to myself. <laughs> <laughs> and Susie rejects the mother who bore her at the behest of Mother Marcos, accepting her true mother in Mother Superior. I'm not this freaking jabroni. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's Mother Suspiriora. It's incredible. An embodiment of death arrives and kills the Marcosites. It's incredible. Fantastic music. Heads are literally exploding. Yeah. Really cool how the score and the screams intertwine here. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, Susie rips her chest open saying, I am the mother. Mm-hmm. Great. Uh, you no, also you also the aforementioned poor downtrodden naked dancers continue to dance through the entire thing as she's walking around. And there's this, there's this sense that they're way beyond their own control. They cannot stop Mm -hmm. doing these intense dances while this murder is going on all around them. So many heads exploded. Oh yeah. They they don't skip a beat literally and figuratively. Very true. Very true. Um, she grants death to those the mothers had been abusing into husks at their own request. The dance, like you said, continues to rage for those still alive, soaked in red blood or soaked in red light and blood alike. The doctor also remains alive, getting walked out, disheveled, butthole, 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 
Butthole. by one of the matrons. <laughs> Doesn't it seem like she could have let them live, like the ones that were turned into husks? Like if they didn't say die and said, "Hey, I want to live," sure, she could have. She could have. They could have. No, done that's that. the kindness, though. I, I legitimately, right. that's that's the kindness. Is is they wanted to die? They had. I'm so tired. Yeah, I, 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 I if anything, I, I like they didn't want to stick around. They, yeah. they, they had been burned they're, and they're beyond. Yeah, and they were just so tired of being. Yeah, yeah. all three of them. Yeah. Too. It was, I mean, it was sad. Well. It was also sad. I, I especially, I, I was like, no, just pick up those intestines and tuck them back <laughs> into them Sarah. Back in. She's going to be fine. Yeah, it's really great. The music here is really great as well. Tom York really doing a spectacular job with this scene. Uh, I believe that Suspiriorum, the song that plays while she is uh, doing her whole thing there, is um, was uh, nominated for an Oscar, I believe. I pretty don't have sure, that. Pretty yeah. sure he was playing Creep. Oh, that's yeah, right. Yeah, it was Creep. That's right. I forgot about that. Now, we do get this epi- uh, epilogue. The girls return to their beds alive, but uh, beset by nightmares and arise the next day. None the wiser. Uh, very funny editing joke to have the matron be like, I have such sad news. Uh, Madame Blanc has left the company only to quickly cut to a blood soaked dungeon being scrubbed by the rest of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. Frantically scrubbed, too. It's like they're like getting uh, a, yeah, the health inspectors come <laughs> and they have to clean it all up. The hell is going to be here in 20 minutes and our dungeon. Why is do we do this today? <laughs> Somebody clean the fry machine, too. <laughs> um, Madame Blanc's head gets put back on and she's still breathing. So maybe she'll pull through. OK, Insane. that scene. No, that scene was unexpectedly comical where yeah. they tilt the head back and she's breathing again and then they let go and the head falls forward again. Yeah. Oh, breathing. my like, God. Yeah, I love this? it. I love it. Maybe she's alive. Could be. Could be. Get some duct tape. <laughs> yeah. She'll pull yeah. through. The doctor sits in bed looking at the Aryan papers for his wife that would have allowed her to get out of Germany, as the matron told him. And Mother Suspiriorum comes by to see him. And she apologizes, sort of, and tells him the truth that it was true. And she died in a concentration camp, which is a bitter pill to swallow. But at least he has the release of knowing there is a confirmation and catharsis to that, at least. And she also tells him really beautifully about the support that she had from the women around her. Mm-hmm. Really powerful scene. I think that this epilogue, I saw people complaining about this fucking epilogue. It's insane. <laughs> it was so good. And it, it was it also like and, and she told a very compelling and sad story that was just he made them go out for a census in the, in the freezing weather. And like, yeah, like everyone died and, but she died yeah. surrounded by her, her people who were her friends in the final days of her life. And all she thought about was you. Yeah. And it just like, it like broke my heart. Like, Oh yeah. It puts a nice bow on that story line where I, it, I don't know. I liked it a lot. I, I don't know why people would complain. Yeah, about it. I, I don't know. How necess- <laughs> it could have, it didn't need to happen necessarily, but I'm glad it did. Yeah. Kind I also of. like that. You know, there is an element where people were also complaining about how the next moment is she sort of gives him another way out. She releases him from this guilt and the guilt for all the women that he didn't save by ignoring their pleas like Patrizia by erasing his memory by giving him a stroke. You know, it's it's the kind of uh, like it's like a monkey's paw. type. Right, sure, sure. 
And a new a new family moves into the home, ignoring the inscription of Dr. Klemper and Anka Meyer. Again, this is another rebirth that, that I was talking about before. They're able to move past the pain and trauma that was embedded into the very house. Mm-hmm. And but it's only borne by the violence of him losing his faculties and memory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and and the house is scarred. Yeah. I mean, literally, like physically, like so, like the idea being that, like, that's also going to carry through that that the the psychic energy of that, which is I I'm not like not to not to be all weird about it, but I mean that's that's an idea that persists in this, and that like there is some haunting that it is will will occur. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be evil, but it does mean that like that energy that's there that was so powerful will always be there, even if he doesn't remember it, even if they both, even if everybody dies. Yeah. I don't know too. I saw it too. Like that's a really good point, but I, cause it kind of seemed like they were brushing past that little carving that was on, like they were just calling attention to the fact that no one noticed it. Mm-hmm. So just in parallel to him losing his memory, like the, you know, the memory of him and his wife just kind of fades away and, and just into nothingness. It's a rebirth yeah. moving on to something else. Yeah. But I, I think that's exactly what I, to me, it was the idea that like, even if no one knows who he is or she was, right. I, it's still there. Yeah. It's yeah. still there. And so it's always going to have an impact. And, and, and this movie is about that, 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 I mean, George, you said it right at the beginning and you're so spot on, but it is this like generational trauma that, that literally like, like it, it carries through future generations who had nothing, they had no awareness and nothing to do with it, but it'll still be there, which is inherently kind of at the the center of what we believe hauntings are anyway, when we, when we tell ghost stories. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that it's really great. There is a, a post-credit sequence. Uh, it's very, very minor. And so I'll just let it be a surprise for anyone who chooses to watch as a reward for watching this long movie that I picked. <laughs> so. I thought it was a strange choice to cast Samuel L. Jackson just for this. He's for the Riggs, I wanted it to be a surprise. <laughs> oh, I, right. I, I, I have to disagree. I think tying it into the MCU was fucking fantastic. That's and I cannot wait for the next season of the Scarlet Witch. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, it literally would fit perfectly as the Scarlet Witch. It's seamless. Well, uh, let's talk now about the sequel. So (laughs) here is the sequel thoughts that I found. Guadagnino said in the same interview that I was reading earlier, uh, he said, sequels are an attitude of the soul. You want to do things because you want to spend time with the people that you love, the actors that you love, the writers you love. With Suspiria, I can tell you that in part two, the storyline was layered in five different time zones and spaces. One of these was how Helena Marcos was being a charlatan woman in the year 1200 in Scotland and how she got the secret of longevity. Mm. So I don't know. I mean, look, I also dismissed the idea of a Suspiria remake in the first place. So who the fuck knows? Maybe that's it would fair. be incredible. That's fair. You know what? That's fair. It could have been amazing. It could be good. Yeah. I mean, who knows what they would do with it? I, I do think it could be something like I said before, I don't know if you need a, a sequel to this. It kind of stands alone perfectly by itself. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. Dilute it by coming out with sequels. It could take away from maybe the original in a, in a way. I don't know. But I think I think we need to give them another 50 years and see mm-hmm. what they do. There you go. That's <laughs> a good idea. Not quite 54. You know, I, this was this was uh, 39 years. OK, 39 years. There you go. Could be a good graphic novel series. It could. I would be interested in that. Or a video game. Or, Ooh, or Dance Dance Revolution style or an alcoholic beverage. Yes. I don't know. It perfect. could be anything. anything. No, it should it be, be an book. alcoholic beverage. <laughs> Great. Well, that's the end of the movie. And now we've reached the part of the episode where at the very least, 
I will say why I think this is the best horror movie ever made. Uh, you fellows do not need to feel so boxed in, but I will encourage you to give your final thoughts on the movie. You may say that if you are so inclined, if I have convinced you at the end that it's the best, we'll see. So uh, I'll start things off. To me, this is the best horror movie ever made because first off, it is beautiful. It is absolutely gorgeous the entire way through the movie. The dancing is fantastic. The shot compositions are fantastic. The cinematography in general is great. The dance sequence in particular are great. But the physical performance quality also extends to the careful control of the emotions displayed in the many, many close-ups. You know, there's so much of the emotions that really has to come through in this movie. And the performance is given by everybody. I mean, God, Olga in the dance studio getting thrashed about there are so many close-ups on the agony that she's going through and that blends into the the rest of the movie so perfectly and i just think that there is such a fascinating conversation about rebirth and the violence that prompts or begets them uh, happening you know it connects through mother marcos in a literal scene or a literal sense sure in that this rebirth is very violent at the very end but also as we've said the power struggle and the internal violence within the coven is 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 happening for it to be reborn the setting of europe pulled back from the brink as represented by the professor and what happened with his wife but also the way that it repeats and we're seeing the raf have to fight literal nazis ss members being elected into the government or into high high ranking positions at the very least and the trauma that is inflicted on our main character by her mother it all ties in so perfectly together. There, there's so much being explored by this movie that for them to not only make it tolerable, but to make it uh-huh. incredible to pull all of these disparate threads together in a way that is satisfying and emotionally resonant and rewards you for coming back to this movie time and time again. I notice new things in the, every time I see this movie and I'm up to four watches now. I can't wait for a damn fifth. Mm-hmm. So... I mean, the performances, like I said, Tilda Swinton, incredible. Dakota Johnson, incredible. All the side characters, incredible. It's it's just, uh, it's an incredible movie. I literally gave it five stars on Letterboxd several times over because I think that it is the best horror movie ever made. Mm. All right. So, uh, Riggs, let's, uh, let's hear your thoughts. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't articulate the things as well as your JP. So I'm not even going to try here and I'm not going to belabor the point, but I... I like this movie a lot. I'd ne- I had never heard of it. I had no idea what to expect coming into this. Um, I hadn't seen the original. You know, I'm not super familiar with the, the horror genre as a whole, even though I'm starting to get more into it recently. And this is something that's it's really right up my alley. It's weird. It's where I asked ask myself a bunch of times, like, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> Which I like because it keeps me engaged and keeps me wanting to you know, keep watching the movie. Yeah. But it has a lot of different elements to it in the, a lot of different horror elements to it. Like we talked about it. It's gruesome. It's, you know, violent. It's psychologically fucked up. It's, you know, it's (laughs) creepy. There's a lot, there's something for everybody. And it helped me kind of understand what I like from watching a horror movie, even though there was, that's awesome. That's awesome. And it it really was. It's something I'm like, I've ever seen, like it it really great. I, I think I initially gave it, um, four stars on letterbox which is it, i reserve five for my favorite movies of all time which is, this could be it, it it sets in and who knows it's my first time watching it if i yeah, see you it have again, to go back yeah. i have to go back and, and check it out again I, I really really did enjoy this so yeah i mean the best at least for this week 
in my mind, this is the best horror movie ever made. Oh yeah, nice. baby! Yeah. All right, JP, All right. hit us, baby. So you guys, you guys are both are just bringing up such really important points about this and 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 george i agree with everything you said like you 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 nailed all the things that i would have said in my why this is the best horror movie of all time i'm not even going to give it a qualifier wow only because we're recording this week so sure 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 no 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 i i think the most important thing about this movie to me is everything we've discussed but horror is is not a genre and horror transcends and, and, and good horror is it can be an art film while also being a comedy while also being incredibly just a tragedy and also have some of the best special effects you've ever seen. I think that horror has free reign to do anything as long as it still scares you. Or, or tries to scare you or tries to make you psychologically think about the situation and, and you're going to be a little creeped out. I think that this movie is challenging in a way that not a lot of horror is. And, and, and I think that there have been eras where, cha- where, where um, horror was trying to be artistic, but it didn't really always hit the notes of being scary. It didn't always hit the notes of being um, um, something that really like like grabbed you, and this was one of the most compelling movies I've watched in a long time. Mm-hmm. I was excited to see it, and then I was just blown away by what it was. I was blown away by the performances. I was blown away by the soundtrack. I was blown away by the cinematography. It's gorgeous, George. You're so right. It's a beautiful movie. It's a movie that you could just turn the sound off and watch it, and still be like. This is every single framed shot, especially the wide angle shots are just perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and 100%. You know, it, it's it's a shame that it's always going to live in the shadow of the original, because I think that this is a movie that people should give the time of day. I don't think I don't think you need to compare it in any way other than to say this is pastiche. This is they they get the the strokes of what the original was. Here we are 60 years later. Let's make a different version of it. Yeah. And I think that's something that a lot of people are going to miss about this movie. And I I really I, I really think it's an amazing movie. But something that a lot of people are going to miss is that there's a lot of things in this that are supernatural. And that's <laughs> Really, you what? don't really see it at first. Yeah. I so no, I was with you uh, for so long. Yeah. Man. yeah. I, I just I think you gotta go rewatch it. It, it takes maybe. about a fifth, maybe sixth viewing. Yeah, release. maybe that'll be the thing I pick up on next time. I've been in dance studios before and they were kind it was kind of like that. So yeah, I think that's <laughs> that just that what sense. dancers just, are like. Right. Yeah, I, I, I think this movie has so much more going for it than I think people mm-hmm. you get these preconceived notions about what it's gonna be, and I think if you're listening to this episode, you haven't seen it. You need to give it a shot. It's on Prime. It's, it's on Prime it's for gonna, free. They produced it, so it'll be yep. there for a long time. I, I so so yeah. I George, I, I want to thank you for finally getting me to watch this movie that is now going to be on my very short list of the best horror movies I've ever seen. There it's a go. wonder of the movie world, like much like the Grand Canyon, where mm. you can't just show someone a picture of it and yeah. get them to appreciate it. They have to see it. Yeah. Well, the thing, of, thing. Now, the thing about that is you can get that it's a canyon, but I don't think you're really going to get its grandeur. Mm. No, the grand part is what's Very hard true. to capture. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. here's actually an interesting thing about the Grand Canyon is that there is a supernatural. Element. <laughs> no. <laughs> See, the thing is, I've been there and I, he's right. I yeah. actually I saw it firsthand and you mm. don't expect it from the pictures. But yeah, yeah. I actually uh, just saw the ghosts waving when I flew over it. 
into Las Vegas. But, you saw the ghost? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he was uh he was really he was happy. And uh he also thought this was the best horror movie ever made. It really is, folks. It's so fucking good. The 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 fucking Olga scene is truly one of the most horrific and incredible horror it sequences. Oh, it's up there. Seen. It's up there with the gymnastic scene in Final Destination. Ooh, five. another banger. <laughs> <laughs> uh all right. That's it. So uh, let's do plugs now, folks. Thus concludeth Plutember. Uh, what a triumph. Just as triumphant as this movie. Mm-hmm. I uh, have a wonderful time every damn week hanging out with my pals, Riggs and JP. And so if you have enjoyed us talking about this uh, horrific movie, uh, imagine <laughs> how pleasant our conversation will be when we're just talking about little old psych. So it's like very different. Yeah. It's like, it's very different than that. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, not when you, when you think about it though, it's, is it really different? Mm, great yes. question. And yeah. you'll have to tune in to, we heard about Pluto in order to find out. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Uh, so that's, uh, that's my, pl- Oh, also uh, if, if you haven't had enough Plutember, you know, I said thus concludeth, but also <laughs> if you just got to have more, uh, Riggs and JP and I also did a great legal thriller episode. Yes. Oh, it was night. so good. It was so great. Uh, we had a wonderful time and uh, I don't want to spoil who won. So don't do that Ooh. if either of you talk about it, but I do think it was a wonderful time. And so you can sign up for the Patreon for just a couple bucks a month and uh, you will get to enjoy that. So a little more Riggs, JP and George action. And uh, all right, so now it is time for your plugs. JP, let's start with you. I'm going to plug uh, Friendsman, which is a podcast I do with Nate Kiley. And uh, we are doing a rewatch of Friends and really talking about it from kind of the modern context of what works, what doesn't work, and what they really should have been embarrassed about <laughs> um, while still loving the show. But I also want to just reiterate a plug. Listen to We Heard About Pluto. It is the best, best psych rewatch podcast it's a recap every week we <laughs> really love it I, and and there's no currently no better psych uh recap podcast out there yeah, right right and that will be the case forever as far forever. as i'm concerned as far as i'm concerned <laughs> i will echo the the start off with the heard about pluto listen to we heard about pluto i it, again just the the greatest time recording with JP and George every uh, every week Aww. on this. It's such a it's such a fun show to do, and uh, it really like I, I think I've said this before, but it you know we have fun recording it, and it it comes through in the audio. So you're really missing out if you're not listening to it. We heard about Pluto. Yeah, if you're a Psych fan, you'll love it. If you're not a Psych fan, you should watch Psych because it's a great show. But also, you'll probably still love it. Yeah, and you also love it because we're right. really lovable. Yeah. Right. We're we three kick, little we, scamps, but we, we're so lovable. We kick ass. Jeff Bezos writes into us. So there's a lot. <laughs> of, there's a lot. Very of often. Very yes. often. He's trying, to, he's trying to scuttle us. the podcast now. It's kind of all over the place. It's kind of hard to pin down exactly what he stands for. But um, also. He's a nihilist, Reeves. <laughs> he stands for nothing. <laughs> He believes in nothing. <laughs> also, happy hour with Riggs. My Twitch stream every Wednesday at six Central Time. I just play some classic games and have a couple drinks. So check. Yeah, that out. boy, we love it. We love yep. it all. Go That's check it. out the guys stuff. Also, family dinner with JP is coming back. So I'm going to plug that. <laughs> yeah, that's so sweet. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, that's it, everyone. Bye. Bye bye. Boochies.